sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. We welcome you today. Glad to have you along with us. And listen, today we're going to take just a little break from this series that I've been doing on life-changing Bible principles. We'll get back to them on Monday, but today and tomorrow we're going to hear a message entitled The Seven Themes of Romans Chapter 1. We'll get to that in just a moment. Let me remind you that today, all day long, I'm in Mesquite, Texas at the Parkside Baptist Church. Services tonight at 7 o'clock. And then, of course, the National Sword of the Lord Conference is July 17 through 20. Check it out on our website at swordofthelord.com. Well, now let's get right to part one of this message entitled, The Seven Themes of Romans Chapter 1. This first chapter of Romans is a long chapter, and I'll not read all of it, but I want to pick up some things from the early part of this chapter, basically about the first 25 verses of it, to help you to see a very simple, basic truth of Scripture. Let's start right at the top of the chapter. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. And then if drop down to verse 13, he says, I would not have you ignorant brethren. You've got to put the commas in right there. He does not say, I would not have you ignorant brethren. But he says, I would not have you ignorant brethren that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, meaning he was prohibited from doing so, that I might have some fruit among you. Verse 14, I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And then drop down to verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, let's look at this in three parts. Number one, there are seven themes stated in this chapter that I want you to see. In verse one, he refers to the gospel of God. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about specifically one subject that is included in the Bible. Sometimes we mistakenly refer to preaching or teaching as the gospel. But the gospel is one subject within the Word. It's a big subject and tremendously important. But it is one subject. And you know the basic elements of it. Number one, the death. Number two, the burial. Number three, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those three facts are the basic ingredients of the gospel. Because when Jesus died and was buried and arose from the grave, 
That was what purchased salvation for us. We get the gospel in focus. And every church ought to be a gospel preaching center, a gospel sending center. It ought to be that. Otherwise, it loses its distinctiveness for being. And we cannot function per the commission that Christ gave us unless we get focused on the gospel. So first of all here, he presents that great theme of the gospel of God. Now we oftentimes, and the Bible says, the gospel of Christ. In fact, it will say it um, here in this chapter. It will refer to the gospel of Christ. Well, you say, why does it say here the gospel of God? Because everything begins with the Godhead. Everything begins there. And whenever we talk about God, we're talking about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, sometimes specifically God the Father, but sometimes in an overall inclusive way to refer to all of the Godhead, the triunity, the trinity, uh, we refer to the three of them uh, as God. Now, that's theme number one, and let's not weary of it. Let's don't get to the place where that uh, we don't want to traffic in the gospel. Let's not get to the place where that we don't want to recite the gospel. Let's not get to the place where that we don't want to hear others recite the gospel. Let's not get to the place where that we are so stony, cold of heart that the gospel has lost its glamour and lost its glitter. Let's don't get there. Let's don't become the cold, backslidden, or lukewarm Christian who has lost his adoration for the gospel. This is a great theme, an important one. A second theme appears in verse 4 when he refers to the Son of God. I read an interesting article in one of the newspapers this week that said that religions are multiplying and proliferating all across America. Many different kinds of religions. This was in a secular newspaper talking about how that various and sundry religions are multiplying so rapidly. Not just the individual one multiplying, but different kinds of them. Here's one of this stripe and another of this stripe and another of this stripe. All kinds of things. Man seems to be incurably religious, always inventing things. Now many of these quasi-Christian groups some of them that use Christian vocabulary, some of them even carry Bibles in their hands. Some of them are nothing more than an all-out cult. They do not represent God, but as the Bible says, they only serve their own belly. They're only out to serve their own need, their own interest. They're not out to serve God. One of the cardinal doctrines that you must focus on and you need to focus on to understand and to separate a lot of the truth and the untruth is what do they teach about the Son of God? There are those who will say, oh, there's no question Jesus is a Son of God. Now, did you get what I just said? See, there is a vast difference between saying Jesus is a Son of God and to say that He is the Son of God. The definite article versus the indefinite article makes a great deal of difference and how we say that. And there are those who very cleverly will say to you, oh, we believe Jesus is a son of God. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that Jesus is the son of God and that he is also God the son. That's another little shade of distinctiveness that we need to put upon this matter. 
not only is he the Son of God, but he is God the Son. And we need to understand that Jesus is not just a prophet, a good teacher, uh, some uh, very impressive individual on the historical scene, but Jesus is in fact the divine Son of God. He is deity, and we must not relegate him merely to humanity. There are many of these groups that want to magnify the humanity of Jesus, but they cannot ascribe to him deity. They don't want to do that at all. And the truth of the matter is, the Bible says that he is altogether divine and he is altogether human. After his birth in Bethlehem, he, the divine one, also was incarnate, made in flesh, in human flesh, and was altogether a human being in that body in which he lived. To properly focus on the truth of the Bible, we need to get our doctrine of the Son of God straight. We must not miss out on that. So... I told you there's seven of these great themes here. Number one, the gospel of God. Number two, the Son of God. Number three, you'll find down in verse 10, when he refers to the will of God. There are many of the things that happen in accord with the program of the ages, the program that God has for redeeming a lost race. Much of that can be directly put under this topic as being the will of God of God. For instance, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 says, God is not willing, or if you rephrase that, it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There are many other places in the Bible where we could uh, uh, focus in upon the will of God, coming to understand what it is that God wants to do with me personally and with you personally with all of us and with individual local churches like ours, God has a design. God has a purpose. I, I don't get up of a morning, any morning, and just say, now look, I'm going to dream up some great grand thing and we're going to build a calendar from January to December. And a lot of folks, things that our folks will love to do, and we'll plug on this and plug on that and plug on something else. Now, sometimes if you looked at the calendar, you might say, well, boy, there's a lot of things put on there and, and uh, there's a lot of events and a lot of activities. But you know, every single bit of it has a design. It has a purpose. We're not like other organizations uh, in town. We, we don't have the same purposes that other organizations have. Uh, we're not trying simply to serve the function of a civic club or a social organization. We have a specific design, and that design must be geared in to what the will of God is. What, what's the program? Why do we have soul winning visitation? Why do we have our missions program for world evangelization? Why, why do we do all those various things? Because we believe it's the will of God that we get the gospel out so that people can hear it and have an opportunity to be saved. It is predicated upon the fact that it is God's will. Somebody says, this is what the pastor wants. Well, the pastor wants something occasionally. But I don't have any right to want that which is outside the focus of the will of God. Same thing could be said for the deacons or for any one of us or all of us together. It would not be right for us to say the church wants to do this, not if it's out of the will of God. Instead, we have determined that we will focus in and find the will of God and build the program and build the ministry and build all that we do focused upon what we have discovered that we believe to be the will of God. There's seven of these themes. Number one, the gospel of God. Number two, the son of God. Number three, the will of God. Number four, 
verse 16. Right in the middle of the verse, he says, it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We need to understand the gospel, God's provision, the Son of God, God's precious Son, who is the central fact in all of this, the will of God, God's design. Well, does God simply say to me, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to give you this assignment. I want you to go out there and dig for it, old boy. Just see how much you can do. Let's see how strong you are. Is that the way God does it? No. No, in fact, God takes people like me and like you and every single one of us human beings with all of the limitations that we have. We only live a certain amount of time and then we die. We only have a certain amount of strength. There's only so much that we can do. There's only so much that we can amass and put together. And so God takes us with our weakness and he appropriates an inexhaustible supply, an inexhaustible resource, his inexhaustible power. God appropriates that so that when I focus in upon his will, when I begin to adore his son, when I have understood what his gospel is and I begin to take all of that and begin to try to make it mesh and work in my life and I find that my hands are weak and my body is weak and my mind is weak and my ambition is weak and my intent is weak and I may try and flop and flounder and faint but God says son I have one more thing for you that is my power is available to you so that you do not have to perform in the mere energy of the flesh. Well, folks, we'll need to interrupt the message right there. We'll hear the second part of it tomorrow, so I hope you'll join me then. And dear friends, I'd love to hear from you. So write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of this day, and goodbye for now.